Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Thursday, August 25th, and this is episode 250 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. This episode, we're getting ready for Hokies football now just eight days away against Old Dominion. We're going to look back at fall camp, wrap everything up there, including some news and notes from yesterday's practice. We'll also look ahead to the season coming up the first year under head coach Brent Pry. All of that and much more coming up on episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. Welcome into episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We've got the full crew back on set. Summer's over. We are ready for football season. Want to let you know the Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. First Bank and Trust Company, one of the nation's leading community banks, is a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia and Northeast Tennessee with an additional presence in North Carolina. They offer free checking with industry-leading mobile banking, financial solutions for personal, agriculture, business, commercial, and mortgage needs, and much more. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. Mentioned we are back. If you're watching on YouTube, we've got the full crew on set. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and make sure you have the notification bell on so you don't miss any Tech Sideline podcast throughout the 2022 football season. Let's introduce the crew. David Cunningham, the managing editor of Tech Sideline, is across the way. To my right, lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. In the fourth chair today, Katie Adams. Behind the scenes, back uh, in the producing role after uh, filling in admirably as the host is Will Stewart, and I'm Jake Lyon. And back on set, I believe the last time I was here was early May. Uh, so it's great it's to be back. It's been a long time. It's great to be back. Uh, excited for football season. But but how was your guys' summer? I haven't talked to you guys in a while. It was good. Uh, we didn't watch, watch as much baseball as you did. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We watched, some, we watched some tech baseball in June there. We watched some tech baseball, yeah. It's a shame you missed that. I know. I know. I was paying attention. Most of those games were, they were earlier in the day and we had the hour difference too. So I got to watch most of of the regional and the super regional, but yes, a lot of baseball over the last couple of months. Productive summer. We got better as Joseph Fuente would say, or Buzz Williams, whatever. <laughs> Got better today. Yeah, so it's been good. We missed you, though. Yes, and it's great to be back. Again, I'm, I'm glad to be talking about football a little bit. I'm a little baseballed out, so uh, so 70 games over the summer uh, up in Minnesota. So let's dive into some football. Uh, let's start with yesterday's practice, a couple of news and, and notes from yesterday's practice in fall camp. Uh, David was there, and uh, the big news coming out is the two season-ending injuries, tight end Benji Gosnell and inside line linebacker Matt Johnson these two guys obviously they aren't starting names but special teams depth tight end inside linebacker depth and it's always tough to see guys go down before the season even starts yeah Gosnell's a tight end uh originally committed to Ohio State and then he tore his ACL like the third game of his senior year in high school and now the rumor is he's torn his other ACL 
And that can happen sometimes when uh, you come back. Maybe you come back a little bit too soon and you're not quite confident in your reconstructed knee and you overcompensate for it a bit. Um, Buzz Williams is always into that. Um, I forget the, the name of that, that science. Um, kinesiology. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, but anyway, it's a shame. I don't think he was going to help this year, although he is a, a good prospect, certainly a good prospect. And uh, Matt Johnson's a guy who's a, who's a very good walk-on, would have helped on uh, special teams this year. For ar- arguably the best strength and conditioning athlete in the whole program. He, he won back in the spring, after, after the spring game, they gave out the strength and conditioning awards. And he, That's right, he He, he win won it. one of them. This is a, a walk-on we're talking about, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I mean, you just kind of hate to see that. Those two guys, along with Felt Darius Payne, the, the linebacker transfer from Nebraska, um, you know, those are the three season-ending injuries for the guys already. Um, but, yeah, you just hate to see it. And, of course, Gosnell, he was an early enrollee in January. He was a 2022 signee, and, you know, now he gets to spend his freshman year injured on the sidelines, which is no fun. Yeah, and, and you guys have talked about some of the other injuries that we, we've seen. Malachi Thomas still out. Uh, Jalen Holston, I believe, didn't practice yesterday as well. Uh, but there was some good news on the injury front. Jaden Blue is back at practice. And with the wide receiver group kind of being one of the position groups where you're a little bit shaky about some of the top-level guys, it's good to have him back at practice leading into week one. It definitely is. And it's kind of strange how they're handling injuries in some ways. Like, Jaden Blue was was out-injured. But he was at every other every single practice, and some other guys have, that have been unavailable, like we know they're hurt. Like we know Malachi Thomas is hurt because he's in a boot, but he wasn't at practice at all, and yeah. Jalen Holston wasn't at practice. So why were those guys not at practice? But Jaden and Kelly Law- wasn't and Kelly Lawson yeah. hasn't been at practice. Yeah, so Kelly Lawson, Jalen Holston. Right. Uh, those two guys are unavailable. Malachi Thomas is still week to week, but those three guys yeah. haven't been at practice. But but Jaden Blue was at practice just wasn't street clothes same with uh Stephen Gosnell last week was was in a no non-contact thing so yeah I don't know it's it's kind of interesting but you know I'm not I'm not reading anything into it yeah I'm just I just it's weird that they handle them differently uh but yeah it's good to get blue back because over the course of his college career even though his it was at Temple he has been the most productive of all of Virginia Tech's receivers and he can play in the slot he can play on the outside um you know, he's a fifth-year senior or sixth-year senior maybe, yeah, depending I on COVID, yeah. I forget. Um, but, uh, yeah, a veteran. And I don't mind so much that he missed practice time because at this point, as a college football player, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I don't it, want to it, use It's probably whole... more important for some of those younger guys. Yeah, no doubt. And maybe important to get Blue back at practice, too, just to continue to build that rapport with Grant Wells uh, now that we know he's yeah. the number one guy. Right, and, and now game week has started. Yes, so uh, you can get you, he's not missing any preparation time for ODU. He knows all all the game plan. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like he'll be one hundred percent next week. Not knowing what his injury was, but he was never in a boot or anything like that. Yeah, he, he was always he was always, he was always at practice, just kind of walking around, catching balls, helping out yeah. in drills. He just wasn't participating. So yeah, uh, that's one of the things. None of the injuries have been have been specified at all. Oh, Dallin Wright is the, is the fourth one. He Dallin is Wright, season-ending injuries. So that's four Hokies with season-ending injuries. But none of them were, besides uh, Felderius Pain, which we found that out back in mid-July, yeah. um, you know, none of the other injuries have been spe- uh, specified. 
Well, we mentioned the running backs who were injured a little bit too with Holston and Malachi Thomas. You guys dipped in on in this last week of how to kind of work on that. But with now just eight days to go till the opener and those guys still not practicing, is it looking more like we're going to see a heavy dose of Keyshawn King and Chance Black in week one? I'm very interested to see how they handle it. All right, Malachi Thomas, he's not playing against Old Dominion. I don't think he'll play against Boston College. They better not play him against Wofford. <laughs> and so I think the earliest they should that he'll be back is West Virginia. That, that's, that's my gut feel on that. We don't know anything about Holston, but we know that the last two practices where the media has been there, he's when, been out hurt. Friday he's been Wednesday. unavailable, whatever yeah. that means. Uh, hopefully he's back soon, but if he can't go against Old Dominion, then then you lose your top two guys as far as the inside zone goes, which I think will be the bread and butter of the running game under this staff. Keyshawn King and Chance Black, with, with those two older guys out, they've been taking the snaps with the ones and the twos, but Tech wants to use them in the slot as flankers, as running backs, as kind of all-around players, yeah. especially Keyshawn King because he's the top probably the top playmaker, most explosive player on offense, I should say. So if he has to see more reps as a traditional tailback against Old Dominion, does that take away from what he's able to do on the outside and thus you know, hurt Virginia Tech's ability to get their best athlete in space? Um, so I am worried about that. Um, and so so I got to think, okay, do if you want to keep using King – and kind of a do-it-all role, does that open the door for maybe a Bryce Duke to to play against Old Dominion? Because remember, you can play in four games these days and still redshirt. Still redshirt yeah, yeah I don't, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario. Or, you know, is Virginia Tech just going to throw the ball 80 times a game? <laughs> you know, like, like and and uh, we are, as we were finishing up or wrapping up our, our position season, you know, uh, our position previews, and uh, I'm actually working on running backs today. And one of the big things is, if there's no one or two in in Holston and Thomas and, you know, you don't necessarily want to use King in that way, well, where's the balance come from? What mm-hmm. do you do? And yeah, I think I think if those guys are out, I, I think against a team like Old Dominion, you know, using King in maybe not the package you necessarily want him to use, like if you're going to run him in the inside zone, maybe that's not his perfect fit, but you can use him there. I'm in. I'm curious to see what happens if both both those two guys would still be out for Boston College. I know that's skipping ahead a little bit, but that's the ACC opener at home, and you know, a higher caliber opponent. If you're down your top two running backs in terms of running inside your bread and butter, like you said, Chris, I think it definitely makes things more interesting. I think the good news is you know who your starting quarterback is. Yeah. Knock on wood, he's healthy, and Jason Brown behind him is also healthy. So you know, you know, Tech's going to air it out. And you talked about Keyshawn King being used more as a receiver. We saw that in the spring game. He was making plays on the wheel route and, and everything that you can imagine from him. So Yeah, if you, if you remember last year's Duke game, yes. that's kind of how you can envision Keyshawn King being used this year, I think, to a certain extent. But, you know, look, everything's new. There's a new quarterback. There's a new wide receiver. There's a bunch of new coaches. Like three of Virginia Tech's offensive coaches have been coordinators in the past. Yeah. So they have their all of them have their own specific – traits so how does that all that mesh together and what does the offense actually look like when you see it on the field i have no idea that's why i'm looking forward to the game just to see what it looks like i I would prefer the Hokies to have all their horses so you can see what it really looks like but i don't know if that'll be possible but yeah if those top two running backs don't play against odu then i think there's a good chance that yeah it's a grant wells show 
which I'm okay with. Listen, yeah. if if, he, if, 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 Brad, if Brad Glenn says Grant Wells has the best deep ball arm that he's ever coached, that's a serious weapon, and you need to use that weapon. Yeah. There, there's no point in, in, in going to battle without all your without all your guns, right? I yeah. mean, you got you got to use your heavy artillery in there. Yeah. And and I think it's an asset to have a quarterback with a with good deep ball accuracy because, you know, deep balls are, are low percentage plays. Like you can look at them statistically and see that they're low percentage plays. So if you have a guy who's going to complete a higher percentage of those, then I think that just adds so much to your offense because you need to be able to hit big plays. Like it's not old school football. Like you can't go, you can't go, you know, 80 yards, five yards a pop, right? You've got to be able to hit plays downfield and, and generate some big yardage plays to have a good offense. And, you know, I think Wells throwing the ball downfield might be our best opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think, again, like if they're – Malachi Thomas, I think, is is Tech's clear-cut choice at, at running back. And I think the staff kind of understands that. Now, they have said Thomas Holston are kind of like 1A, 1B in no particular order because Holston has been very consistent throughout fall camp. But if you don't have either of those weapons, it really narrows down your options and – yeah, I'm sure, you know, you can design some runs, you can get the ball to Keyshawn King, but but if you kind of don't necessarily have your go-to weapons when it comes to inside zone, that kind of narrows down all the possibilities. But I mean, hey, we've seen we've seen Grant Wells, we saw it in the spring game, two forty a forty seven yard and a fifty one yard touchdown pass to Caleb Smith. Yep. I mean, if Tech can go and air it out and escape old Dominion, you know, Breeze through Old Dominion, unscathed, no injuries. <laughs> Make up your mind. Are they going yeah, to escape or are they going to breeze through it? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm know. undecided yet, too, because I've got to write my preview yeah, next well, week. I'm, yeah. I, basically, get past Old Dominion, injury-free. <laughs> with a win. With a win. And uh, I guess the other the, the positive thing, if uh, if you don't have to run the ball as much, you don't have to show off as much in the running game. I mean, yes, you save stuff, although I think you'd probably rather be able to see – I think everybody would probably rather be able to see what this running game looks like with your the number one and number two running backs versus yeah. not. And, you know, we don't know any specifics on Holston because he's only just recently been out. But we know specifics on Thomas because we've seen that picture of him in the walking boot. Yeah. So everybody knows what his injury is now. Generally, if you're wearing a walking boot around and he hasn't practiced in, what, three weeks? It's, it's been a while. And he probably hasn't even scrimmaged. So he probably hasn't taken a full contact hit since the spring. I think he's. I don't think he's practiced since the first and week remember, of fall camp. Right. And remember, when he missed. The, to remember, him. he missed the last week of spring ball too, and yeah. didn't play in the spring game. Yeah. Uh, so he hasn't taken all that much contact. He hasn't taken any this this camp, and not a much in the spring either. So it's more than about when is his ankle ready. It's like when is it when it, he is how quickly does he get back to up to speed from a conditioning standpoint? Yeah. And in football shape, and by football shape I mean you're willing to, your ability to take a hit, bounce back up, and then have another carry on the very next play. Things like that. Things that you you're supposed to be able to use fall camp to slowly build yourself up to. He hasn't been able to do that. Yeah, and I think something to add. We well uh, the media we got to chat with him uh, on. It was the first Friday of fall camp, and we got to chat with him, and he looked great. He said mm-hmm. he was at 203 pounds, which yep. is the highest weight he's ever played at, and he said he, you know, he feels he feels good because he can kind of bounce off guys now and take the hits and doesn't necessarily, you know, he's not as light as he used to be. But 
after that, I think that following week, you know, something must have happened, and we haven't really seen we haven't seen him since then. I, so. I thought he was a borderline one thousand yard guy for Tech this year, yeah. and that's not going to happen now because I think he's he's going to miss at least the first couple of weeks. And coaches love to keep injury news under wraps. You must the thoughts going through Brent Pry's head when he saw that picture, the team picture with the running backs, and see the boot. It's, <laughs> you know what I was nothing you can. I do. was looking through the team pictures and I was trying to find uh, Jaden Blue to, to, to see if I could see there if there was a brace on his ankle or anything. But they have him in the very back row and he's that behind everybody, so you can't see a lot of the a lot of the other guys. Like Kelly Lawson was in the back too. Oh right, and, so, and right. looking at Kelly Lawson, he probably other, had to be in the back though. Yeah, he's but, tall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but like True. looking at some of the other guys, like oh, I know that that guy. That guy uh, might be nicked up. Oh, he's in the back. You can't really tell. Like, like their knees hiding right behind. The Strategic photography. Yeah. Oh. But then you got Malachi Thomas. And There's only so many rows you can make of what. Well, seven if you, if you still had ten running backs yeah. on the roster like you did last year, <laughs> yeah. you, you could hide him. I uh, wanted to mention we talked about Grant Wells a little bit. He was named to the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Watch list. Uh, I believe it's about 75 quarterbacks, so it's a big list. Uh, but but so, so if you're not on the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm list, <laughs> you're not a good quarterback. You're, you're not very good. There there was a lot of schools on there. I think close to every Power Five school had their quarterback on there. But still uh, a good honor for him. And then I believe, was it Dax Hollyfield and I'm blanking. Alan Tisdale, Alan Tisdale were on the Senior, senior Bowl, Bowl watch list. Yeah. So those were the three honors that were given out yesterday. Let's wrap up news and notes from yesterday here. Uh, reading through uh, David's article on TechSideline.com, you can check that out right now with yesterday's practice notes. A lot of praise for some young offensive linemen yesterday from Brent Pry and, and Johnny Jordan, who talked to the media as well. Uh, Xavier Chaplin, Jesse Hansen, Braylon Moore, Jack Hollyfield were kind of the four that they spotlighted. Seems like those guys, even though some of them may not get a ton of reps this season, it seems like they are, they're liking the way those guys are going Braylon Moore is going to play a lot yeah I would not I think be Chaplin yes. will too he looked very good in practice yeah yesterday. yeah I mean all the talent is there I don't think I think uh playing on the left side might be a little too much to ask for a true freshman but they don't have any choice because they don't have any other backup tackles that he has to play yeah um I think Braylon Moore is going to start by the end of the year yeah. I just think he's the more physically talented player uh, uh I think when it, I think Hanson's going to start at first based on experience but I think Braylon more I mean Pry's already said he's playing game one he's going to play and the more experience he adds I just think it's going to be very difficult to not start him by the end of the year that that's that's what I think is going to happen I I do like Jack Holyfield too um I think Johnny Jordan's like a uh one of those centers who's very technically sound but he's not going to overpower anybody um I don't think Holyfield's you know ready to to play yet but I think he'll get – hopefully we can blow a few teams out this year and he can actually get some in-game yeah, well reps. He, and, and, and uh, he, we note that that he jumped up from 271 to 300, to 300 pounds, pounds. Right, like, exactly. He took a huge leap in the offseason. He did. And, well, he showed up bigger than people thought he was going to show up anyway. Yeah. And I don't know what we're laughing no, about. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be – when he's ready to play – like yeah. mentally, I think he's going to be a physical upgrade over Johnny Jordan. He's going to be a bigger, stronger yeah. player. Yeah, and of course, jo- I, this is Jordan's last year of eligibility. Yes, so. correct. So Holyfield's going to step into the starting lineup next year, most likely. Yeah. But I, I do like the future of Tech's offensive line. It's just, it's just some of the uh, some of the backups aren't quite ready yet. But the two guys that are closest to being ready are all or three guys. They're all freshmen. Yeah. And yeah. when when you consider that. Uh, gosh, one of them might end up starting by the end of the year, or at the very least, he's going to get reps. And your two guys on the right side have three years of eligibility left. I, I just think there's a very, very talented core group there. Yeah, he's talking about Xavier Chaplin, Braylon Moore, 
Jack Hollyfield, Caden Moore, and Parker Clements. That's right. From left to right. So, yes. yeah, I, I think uh, one of the biggest things with Joe Rudolph, and Silas Janzi even said it, and it was a very interesting way he said it, but at ACC kickoff, he, he, he said Joe Rudolph is an upgrade in, in our room. And... Which is a very interesting comment because Van Weiss did a good job. He he yeah, he built a lot of offensive line depth. But but chatting with Johnny Jordan, who is a veteran offensive line, I, I think he said this is his fifth offensive line coach in his career. That doesn't surprise wow. me. Yeah. Between Maryland and I think he said he's looking like a sixth or seventh head coach too. He knows every single system in the history of football. <laughs> yeah, at this well, point. he said it's not. He said it's not much different. And now you know once he he'll have a system of coaches to to connect with, obviously, but. But he he's always he, you know he mentioned how technically how technical Joe Rudolph is and how it's the little tiny details when you know you have to be at the right place at the right time and I think that's the you know I'm 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 not a football guy in terms of playing and I didn't play offensive line I know I know Will did I think Will played he's our massive offensive line here. <laughs> uh, I only know that I only know that because I listened to I think you said that yesterday when you're talking with Zach. Uh, Mackie, <laughs> go listen to that podcast, by the way. Um, but like, but from everything Johnny Jordan ha- has said, you know, it just sounds like there's much more of an emphasis on, on that kind of stuff. And I know Vance Vice kind of, he kind of had guys practice everywhere. So you build that depth, but I don't think text to that point where there's not enough experience to be able to do that yet. If that makes sense. I would agree with that. Yeah, and, you know, I look back at some of the snap counts of his offensive linemen at Wisconsin, and it varied on a year-to-year basis. Like, there were some some years where they'd play, like, nine offensive linemen, and others where they'd play seven. It just depends on how good the backups were. Yeah. Like, he's not going to just rotate players just for the sake of rotating players. He's only going to put him out there, put you out there if he trusts you. And a lot of good stuff about the offensive line in David's article from yesterday. Also, more on the injury notes and stuff like that. So make sure you check that out on TechSideline.com. Next, we're going to get into a full wrap-up of fall camp, but with the full crew back together, we're going to switch things up a little bit. We want to go to Katie in the fourth chair more. So, Katie, what you got for us in our first throw to you in the fourth chair today? So, this was announced last week, maybe the week before. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast yet, but it cannot be undervalued. The importance of the ACC network finally gaining the rights to broadcasting the ACC women's basketball tournament and the ACC baseball tournament, which is huge because now we can actually look forward to watching these events (laughs) instead of like having to find RSN and I'm like downloading a Bally Sports app just to watch like the Virginia Tech Clemson baseball game, which was just ridiculous. So this is this is big news. It's big. I had to go to uh, PKs to watch Virginia Tech uh, Clemson. You and then had Vir- to go to PKs. Uh, well, you know, I, let's be honest. <laughs> I probably so would have gone to PKs anyway. But uh, I didn't have the option to stay yes. home and watch those games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like on some random Wednesday night in December when Virginia Tech is playing whatever scrub team on RSN. Yeah. And I can't get it at home, and I'm like, do I really want to go downtown on a Wednesday? I'm too old to go downtown on a Wednesday night, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, spe- <laughs> especially when it came to, to to women's basketball. I mean, it, it's good for Virginia Tech, especially because yeah. up, you know, growing women's basketball program, growing baseball program as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember, I I also had to go to PKs to watch Tech baseball. Was it beat up on Clemson in that first game last yeah. year when yeah. Carson Jones hit like three yeah. home runs? Yeah, like. Yes. Yeah. You know, like everybody. It, it'll be it'll be nice to just be able to flip flip your TV, Roku, what Fire Stick, whatever you have on, and and turn on AC Network. And so many people, including myself, weren't able to watch 
the incredible game that was the Virginia Tech North Carolina women's yes, basketball tournament game. And right. it was just so sad. So. I, I got lucky with that because I was at baseball that day and it was actually just on in the stadium. Right. But for the most part, it's like stream. I, I do streaming. I don't have cable. So I'm just getting free trials of something that's got massing on it and just try and find a way to watch it. It, it doesn't. Yeah. It never made sense for your conference network when one of your premier sports is having their tournament and you're showing something else. <laughs> like, like what? What? Like what was actually on the ACC network during? Probably well, one, like Packer, old spring games. Packer and Durham. Like probably no one right. wants those, to watch. Correct. Those like like three day weekend specials. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, right. I mean that. And now that those were the things that were on the ACC network at noon when Virginia Tech women's basketball is playing North Carolina in like the, in like, like the yeah the quarters or the semis of the yeah. ACC on tournament. a Thursday. Yeah. Like, one of the best games in the ACC of the entire year. Absolutely. Like, no one can watch. Yep. It. Yeah. So. Well, bi- big news there. Uh, we'll check back in with Katie at the midway point of the show, uh, but definitely excited that we can watch those tournaments uh, without having now, to. Now, if we could just get the regular season men's games off, that'll be yes. next. Yes. Agreed. Well, let's dive into fall camp. We kind of talked a little bit about some of the notes there, but let's wrap up all of fall camp with uh, the opener just eight days away. David, I want to start with you. Just in general, you got to go to a lot of practices this year, which is something that's that's been new this season. How much has that helped you just uh, in your job? And what was that experience like overall to just be able to take that in and and kind of be a little, have a little more professional look at what tech football is up to? Yeah, I think it's been good. I I think one of the cool things is, and this comes from, you know, I, I, I played sports growing, I played soccer, basketball, and, um, you know, all, I always love being around coaches and players and listening to, listening to the teaching. I think that's one of the coolest parts of the game and to walk by Joe Rudolph's group or to listen to Derek Jones or Pearson Prelu or Sean Quinn or whoever it is, listen to them and, and see the, hey, you know, th- adjust this next time. Or, hey, like, guys, let's do this. We need to be doing, you know, listen to the physical teaching and, and see that. I think it, it's been really cool. There's been so much competitiveness. And, of, of course, we've, we've talked about that before. That's kind of the culture Brent Pry wants to instill. But, um, but it's been good helps when you're trying to get injury news and stuff too. But um, also to just get a glimpse of a guy like who stood out to me yesterday, we talked about Murray, Xavier Chaplin, like to, to see some of those young guys who you might not get a chance to see uh, when the actual games roll around because they're a little bit down in the depth chart. I think that's helped a bit too. You know, it kind of, kind of just gives you a little bit of a glimpse. You get to pull back the curtain a little bit and, um, I've, I've appreciated it. And I think that's kind of the way Brent pride likes doing things. Maybe it's cause the Penn, it's the Penn state way, but, um, but yeah, I think the media appreciates it. Well, I just want to look back at all of fall camp again, getting to see those practices. Is there anything that stood out to you? Both of you really just paying attention to the news and the practices and the injury updates, any players or team or culture things or coaching staff things that really stood out to you over the last couple of weeks? I, I, I do th- I do like the emphasis on certain competitive drills, like linebackers versus running backs. Yes. Keep score, who wins? Because ultimately, I mean, this is sports. It's about winning. And and when you when you can win the little little battles like that, then you will eventually start winning more games. You know, if you approach things with a competitive mindset with all your drills, and, and so that's kind of the things I, I think that's that's standing out to me so far is it's just a little more 
keeping score, so to speak, during regular practices. Yeah, I think the intensity level, we got to see it yesterday in practice on Wednesday. Um, offensive line going up head-to-head -head against the defensive line, that kind of stuff. Linebackers, um, you know, guys trying to blitz off the edge. And, and kind of, obviously it's not game scenarios. They're not scrimmaging or anything. But to see competitive drills versus guys, you know, like seeing wide receivers and quarterbacks throw and catch the ball, it can be interesting at times. But them throwing a 10-yard slant is not as interesting as the line, the, the running backs running up to a linebacker waiting for them and having to basically juke them out and get open and catch a pass. That's much more interesting, especially when a guy like Jaden Keller, to me, like stood out. I mm -hmm. think getting to see a glimpse of some of those young guys and especially when it's kind of a new slate for a lot of these players, it's kind of refreshing to go, oh, okay, th that's what this guy's capable of under the staff. And generally speaking, it gets boring after the first couple practices of watching quarterbacks throw to wide receivers with no defenders, right? It's like, okay, yeah, we, we, we get it. Like You can throw and catch. You can throw and catch. <laughs> now, you're not even wearing shoulder pads yet, and there's no defenders, and there's no pass rushers, and... Everybody who plays Division One college football is supposed to look good in that scenario with no defenders on the field, right? So you go in there and you watch, and you try, You can judge things like arm strength. Like, it became evident from the very beginning that Grant Wells had had a good deep ball and that Jason Brown has has, has a strong arm. You see that for a couple of days, and you're like, okay, I've, I've literally learned everything I can learn from, from, what, from what I've seen so far. So at some point, yes, you like to see some other things, such as the uh, – you know the video you took of the of the drill of the the, line, the, linebackers, the linebackers versus the running backs yeah. earlier this year. I thought that seemed to be that was a popular video. Yeah, well, yeah, Brent Pry being animated too. I everybody loves when coaches are are very animated into it. Yeah, when you have a video of uh, the head coach telling a player he's soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm sure Coach Pry loves that that video got out. I'm sure he loves it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, at the same shows time, the intensity. If he didn't want something like that out there, he would have. Yeah, close practices. Right, exactly. He would or use or put that drill at the end of practice. Yeah. I th I think if you're from a fan perspective, obviously there might be some fans that are like, "Oh my God, that's the way our, our that's the way coaches are like." Well, then you clearly don't understand sports uh, and the way coaches are that's, like. That's nothing. Play yeah. I, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> Play, you know, anybody who's a former player or something probably would look at it and go, "Yeah, okay, that's that's norm." You know. Well, I, you mentioned some of the new guys who were able to come in, and we, we've talked a lot about Grant Wells, who we hadn't seen a ton of before spring practice, but a lot of fall camp is you get to see these true freshmen who really only know off their high school highlight tapes and their star ratings and all this stuff. So you have you had a list that you showed me of some true freshmen that you believe that can play this mm -hmm. year. Who do you think has impressed enough to get on the field in their first season? Well, let me go to my list. Uh, Braylon Moore <laughs> we've already talked about. That's a definite. He, and barring some crazy injury this week, knock on wood, he's playing. Uh, Mansoor Delane is a guy who was kind of he was practicing but non-contact for most of uh, most of the preseason. He's finally doing contact work now. Prize really impressed with him and actually used the word surprised. And I don't know if yeah, I put that in yesterday's article. yeah, you did. And uh, I don't know if when he said surprised, I don't know if he meant it like oh, we didn't know he was that good or. I was surprised he's playing well this early, my, despite my, having no contact. My con the context to that, I it was 
I interpret it as I'm surprised he's come along this quick. Like he's become right. this good this quickly because he certainly wasn't doing. Yeah, I, I think right. he was an early enrollee. He was not. He was not an early enrollee. He so was not an early enrollee. He's, he's only been so here, a few been here right, since right. for a month or two. Exactly. Uh, he's been playing corner and safety. Yeah. He could potentially play either one. Um, we'll see where it works. I've always viewed him as a safety long term, but I. You know, I think he could play corner, too. I thought he was the most natural football player that Virginia Tech signed last year. And, you know, after Justin Fuente got fired, Virginia, like Michigan State came in and tried to make a late push for him. Uh, I don't I don't understand. Like, I think the guy's like a top 150 level player. I think he should have been ranked there. I think he's that good. Um, I think I actually take, think Tech signed a very good 2022 recruiting class, um, which is most of which was recruited by Fuente and that staff while they were on the hot seat. College football doesn't have to make any sense. But uh, but I, I do think they did a great job identifying guys like Delaney and Daquan Wright. Yes. A guy who, at the beginning of the recruiting process, no, nobody paid attention to. But by the time the second signing day rolled around and all the rankings had been finished, like he's a four-star recruiter. I think somebody had him as a, as a top 100 guy, yeah. which I think is a legit ranking. Um, somebody called me this past weekend who had seen, who had been at a, at a scrimmage and said, and he's not, he's not necessarily familiar with tech's personnel per se, but he's like, man, they got this freshman tight end who's awesome. And I'm like, you're talking about Daquan. I knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And he's like, I guess, but man, this kid can run. And either Daquan Wright or Harrison St. Germain could play this year. St. Germain is a good prospect too. And he was here in 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 the spring so he knows the offense more but there's no reason to play two true freshman tight ends One, well especially when you've got two well, veteran tight two ends veterans plus, plus, plus Blumrick is kind of a tight end or whatever <laughs> I guess uh so my guess is at right plays St. Germain red shirts could be the other way around um but I expect it's going to be right Tucker Holloway has quietly had a good camp uh I don't think it's definite that he's going to play but a lot of times you'll see true freshmen, maybe they don't get in there the first couple weeks, but if they keep showing progress and, and practice, coaches will start playing them. Like like Dax Holyfield is a good example. He started for Tech for most for a lot of the 2018 season, but he actually didn't play the first game against Florida State on defense. He wasn't quite ready yet, but he was ready a couple weeks later, right? And you saw the same thing with Malachi Thomas last year. He only played. He only got a carry like once in the first four games of the season. Yeah. But he kept improving. Probably finally under, picked up pass blocking. Is, is probably that's that's generally what holds young running backs back. Is the, they don't have to learn how to pass block in high school. And they have to learn how to do it in college, and it's a big adjustment. But uh, Holloway's a guy if he keeps making progress could potentially play. Speaking of running backs and learning how to pass block, Bryce Duke is a you know we talked about him earlier. He's another guy who could potentially. See uh, time. Will Stewart's favorite player already. Um, Cam Johnson, I, I think, is an interesting guy. St. Francis Academy is used to playing top-notch competition. Is a really good natural football player. Uh, too skinny right now. And, I mean, they could play him if they had to, but I'm really glad Delane, uh, Mansoor Delane has stood out the last week or so, and they were working him at cornerback the other day when yeah, you were there. I, I believe he was at corner yesterday when we saw practice. Cam Johnson is a really good prospect, but he's 160 pounds right now. Like the most important part thing for him is his, is the weight room, the weight room and nutrition. So he needs to redshirt. And the thing about players, players, did you hit the button, Will? You're slacking over there. Okay, there it is. All right. <laughs> the most important thing about your redshirt year 
it's not learning the system because you're 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 working on the scout team. But it's adjusting it's, to college and adjusting to the weight room. And it's getting bigger. Yep. And at 160 pounds, that's very important. It's not as important for Braylon Moore to, to redshirt because he's already really Xavier strong Chaplin. and really big. Yeah, exactly. But but Cam Johnson, 160 pounds, like if you played him this year, that means he couldn't do heavy lifting days on Friday. So you, you're, you're skipping really important work for these guys at the most developed Developmental board board. I'm developmental De- developmental point There's, in their career. Their season where they're going to develop the most physically. There you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is uh, their first year generally. So, I think uh, with Man- Mansoor Delane, who is physically bigger, he's about 20 pounds bigger than Cam Johnson. If he plays, you can redshirt Cam Johnson. So, I think I think at the end you'll see five or six of these guys play. Yeah, that's a pretty good list. I mean, you, you talk about a lot of those guys, and you can see the spots for them to fit in, especially some tight end depth with Daquan Wright and Harrison St. Germain. So uh, excited to see some of those guys get some reps, especially early on with maybe some games like ODU and Wofford coming up in the first three weeks. Uh, before we take our break here on episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast, let's check in with Katie another time in the fourth chair. Yeah, so if anyone saw on the Hookies FB social media, they're going to be um, hanging up billboards that say our state in three places in Virginia. It was like Roanoke, Richmond, and Newport News. And I think it's cool, but I just want to emphasize the importance of beating your ODU and your Liberty and, of course, UVA <laughs> if you're going to do something like this because I just think it's cool that, like, in year one of Brent Pry, he has an opportunity to rewrite two of Justin Fuente's biggest wrongs out of his entire tenure, which is the losses to ODU and the loss to Liberty that mm-hmm. everyone remembers and stands out in a lot of ways, like the most than anything else. Sure. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, that it's cool that they're hanging those billboards, but it just creates more of an emphasis on winning games like that. Absolutely. Like uh, if you don't win those games and it becomes false advertising, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. It, it then becomes a joke that other teams can, can yeah. throw and up on their like message boards. Stock, and people, like, yeah. Driving people, and people, yeah, people are driving. Yeah. People are going to drive by the, you know, people are going to drive by in Newport News, uh, you know, drive by the billboard yeah, on, on 64 and just be like, what the heck is this? An interesting placement. Like, if you're going to put one on the 757, these days there's more prospects in Virginia Beach on that side of the of the water, I think they so put to speak. It, like, there by is the Newport, Newport News, Williamsburg International Airport, which of oh, course is really? like five minutes from my house. But like, oh, yeah, but, okay, okay. But yeah. like, you know, so they put it like right along like Jefferson Avenue, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. But like, I would, yeah, I would have put it over in like Virginia Beach. I probably would have too. Could but, we not but, get one in Charlottesville? Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> we could put one up in December, like right after right after Thanksgiving. Just like say we lose to ODU, ODU oh. fans are gonna drive past that, take that, a picture of it, tweet it, and be oh, like, "That's Y'all gonna are be a joke. meme with the score and exactly. everything." <laughs> it it really. That's, that's it's, again, again as as Katie pointed out, you can't do that and not win. There there's there's often a, a very thin line between confidence and arrogance. So if Virginia Tech wins, it's people confidence. say, "Oh, they're very they're confident." But if if they lose to ODU, people are going to like, "Oh, Virginia Tech was too arrogant going into that game." Right? I yeah. I think it's okay because I think Tech's going to win the game. Well, you've but, got what three in-state games this year? Yeah. So ODU early, and then the last two games of the season, Liberty and UVA. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that. Those are going to be the ones at the end that may decide whether those billboards were a good idea or not. Yeah. And uh, which one of those three games are you worried about the most? Virginia. Or I would say Virginia. Kitty disagrees. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with UVA. I think though, if we lose to UVA in year one with Brent Pry and Tony Elliott. 
Tony Elliott's gonna have like a st- um, what am I? A statue of him literally hung up in Charlottesville. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Virginia Tech in year uh, one. You- so that's why I'm scared a little bit, but right. it's just. Second nature for us to be even. I'm worried about Brendan Armstrong. Me too. That was my thought too. That's a guy between him and Key. And Wicks and Lavelle Davis. And Keaton Thompson. Their offensive line stinks. Well, uh, we think it stinks. It's five new starters. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe their their left tackle was a better receiver than last year's left tackle. I don't know. Here's what I will say. I'm more worried about the uh, the U.S. England World Cup game on Black Friday, the day before the Virginia Tech Virginia. Game. Oh, that's right, it is. So I'm more worried about that the U.S. winning that game than I am about Virginia Virginia. I mean, Tech. I see, I think Virginia Tech's going to go three and zero against in state competition yeah. this year. I'm not as worried about Liberty with uh, with my boy Malik Willis gone. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's Michael Brewer's younger I brother. Know, it's, it's Charlie, Charlie Brewer, Brewer who who hadn't been able to stay healthy his whole career. So like I I think he's a good player. And I thought his his older brother was was a good player, but uh, I just I don't I don't think the Liberty magic is gonna is gonna continue. I like, agree. Charlie like, Brewer, he's good, but he's not like, he's ev- not a day th- a day every, two NFL pick. Everything had to happen for Liberty to beat Virginia Tech that year. <laughs> no, they had they had to have Malik Willis. They had to call a timeout. That, <laughs> <to> block <laughs> That's right. Um, they fumbled early in that game. Yeah. We were Virginia Tech. Jermaine Waller returned it for a touchdown, but the official blew the play dead. Yeah. Remember? Yes. And that co- that stomach. cost Tech a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert didn't play. Yep. James Mitchell didn't play. I watched out of five. The opening kickoff. You're right. He did, and uh, <laughs> and so then they but they were thrown out there even though they weren't physically ready to play. So like it took all of those things to come together for Liberty to win that game. And I'm gonna guess this time I know they don't have Malik Willis, and I'm guessing that those other things aren't gonna happen this time. So we'll see. And ODU, like I'm actually, I would I would go in this order. I'm least worried about Liberty. And then I would go ODU number two, and then most worried about UVA. I'd do that too. I think I'm probably in the same same order there. Maybe you flip flop ODU and Liberty, but ODU coming up in eight days, uh, and then again, last two games of the season, both in state matchups between Liberty and Virginia. So a lot to look forward to there. Uh, we're hoping those billboards end up being good things and not things <laughs> that other teams can make fun of Virginia Tech for. Uh, let's take our break here on episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast. When we come back, we're going to look ahead at the first season under Brent Pry. Look at what position groups look good, what position groups. We're a little bit nervous about heading into the season, some breakout players, games looking forward to, and much more. That's coming up in the second half of the Tech Sideline podcast right after this break. Welcome back to episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast. In the first half, we went through fall camp and some news and notes updates. In the second half, we're going to look ahead to the 2022 football season. First one under head coach Brent Pry. Crew on set, David Cunningham across the way, Chris Coleman to my right. Katie Adams is in the fourth chair. Will Stewart behind the scenes, and I'm Jake Lyman, your host. Tech Sideline is brought to you by First Bank and Trust Company. Let's jump right back into it, guys. Uh, I do want to remind everybody watching on YouTube first that if you have a question or comment for David and Chris, make sure to drop that in the chat before the end of the show. We'll get to those with Katie towards the back end. Uh, But let's jump into the 2022 season. I've got some preview questions laid out. I want to see where you guys sit with some players, some position groups, and we'll start right there. Uh, We'll go on each side of the ball for this one. On offense, which position group are you most confident in? So offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, which one do you feel the best about heading into the season? I would say tight end followed by quarterback. Um, You just got a couple veterans in there at tight end. 
I think the freshman tight end or tight ends are extremely talented if they had to play. And uh, Connor Ballmark, whether you count him as a tight end or a wide receiver or whatever, I mean, he's he's gonna I think he's gonna have a chance to make some plays for Tech this year. So I feel very good about Tech's group of tight ends. Yeah, I would say tight end and and quarterback in that order. Though you yeah. could, you could flip them. I mean, you I could. think those are the two the two groups. I think, I mean, I would like to see Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston and Keyshawn King all kind of play in the system, but I, I, I'm kind of all right at, at running back. I just think, I think when they have that entire group together and healthy, it'll be much different than yeah. what it would be normally. And then, of course, wide receiver and offensive line are where the questions lie. Yeah, with running backs, like what it looks like in week one could be a lot different than what it looks like in week four yeah. or week five. And I think tight end is the one that stands out. You can see the top-level talent there and the depth. It looks like that's going to be a, a strong point of this team. How about on defense? There's a little bit of experience at all three levels, but also some question marks, I would say, in a few spots. Which one are you feeling the best about from the line to the linebackers to the to the cornerbacks and safeties? Amongst the starters, I, I feel best about cornerbacks. Okay. like I, I think Dorian Strong's out a very, very good cornerback. I think Armani Chapman would be a good player too but uh as far as depth about having four quality players across the duty uh, the, the two deep i think defensive end yeah. uh like i don't think there's not a star in there a defensive end but i think they'll all be solid i do see some upside very good upside i think actually with cole nelson and cj mccray who are probably going to be the uh one of those guys is going to start one, one of them's going to uh be in the two deep they're both going to play a lot um, but I, I think you will have – I don't think you're going to watch a game this year and say, oh, man, if we had better defensive ends, we'd win that game. Uh, no, I, just, I think they're going to be a solid group across the board. I got two positions I'm, I'm pretty confident in defensively, and I, I do think the ends and corners are pretty good. I, I think the tackle depth is pretty good. I mean, there's four quality players. Four it's, you know, Norrell Pollard, Josh Fuga, Mario Kendricks, and then Wilfred Panay, who's a little bit behind the rest. But, but that trio – Assuming everybody can stay healthy, and, and Mario Kendricks could, you know, did not last year. He he battled some injury. Um, you know, if the, if that those four guys can stay healthy, that's going to be a pretty solid solid group up there. And you know, Tech won the ACC in two thousand eight with three defensive tackles in the rotation, just three. Wow. Now, the ACC was not not so great in two thousand eight, uh, but uh, it's better this year. Um, I mean, if Virginia Tech did, did win the Coastal this year, then they'd have to go through, you know, a Clemson program that that is on top and an NC State program that is quite good these yeah. days, in, in my opinion. The other position I, I feel confident in is, at least starters, is safety. Chamari Connor and Nasir Peoples are, they were second and third in tackles last year behind Dax Hollyfield. So it shows you how experienced they are. Um I'm curious about the depth behind them. I think that'll be interesting. We already talked about Manzur Delane. I think him coming along is a big help. Um, I'm also curious about a guy like Jalen Stroman, kind of where, where he fits in. We haven't heard a lot about him, um, but I I do think Chamari, assuming Chamari Connor and Nasir Peoples can stay healthy, those are you know, that starting DB room, if you put out two corners and two safeties of Dorian Strong, Armani Chapman, Chamari Connor, and Nasir Peoples, that's a Pretty good quartet. You, you guys pretty much mentioned the whole defense uh, that you feel pretty confident about between the two of you. Yeah, uh, there's a couple spots I didn't mention. Well, well <laughs> let's get into that. Uh, which which position group, and we'll start on defense since we just came from there, and we'll flip back snake in a snake draft kind of thing. What mm -hmm. position group 
has you feeling a little bit wary heading into the season that there's a, maybe a hole or maybe a weakness that you think other teams could exploit? I will say this with the full caveat of it could end up being a strength. You just don't know yet. But I'm going safeties. It's my weakness. Uh, because, to be quite honest with you, Chamari Connors' grades have dropped each year. Um, Peoples, he played great against UNC last year, but for the rest of the year, his grades just slowly dropped off. And was he was actually, by the end of the year, one of the lowest grading safeties in the ACC. And Chamari Connor has always had trouble. Like, he's really good going forward. He's a strong guy, but he's always struggled with, like, slot receivers and coverage. Um, I don't think tech safeties has been, have been developed well in the past. So I think there's a good chance that both of those guys are, are better players, that they just haven't been coached and developed properly. Um Chamari's in his what sixth year, Something fifth like year, whatever. Who knows this, these days? But uh, I worry that it might be a little too late for him. That, that you know, one year of what we hope is good coaching uh, isn't. You know, he played his best football as a sophomore when Bud Foster was defensive coordinator. So I, I just uh, I, I do worry. Like there is evidence that he's a better player than he showed. Than he showed this past year, but that was at a different position. How does he ac- actually do as a legitimate safety as opposed to a nickel? I just I don't know. And and Hawkins, like I said, you know he did great the first game of the season against North Carolina. People, people's but, not Hawkins. Yeah, you're right. People's. Uh, everybody out coaches North Carolina these days, so I'm not sure how much that that means. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see with Gene Chizik coming in. Oh, Their defensive right. staff is looking good this year. Yeah, but well, that's the thing about Carolina; they always look good on paper. Yes, they're never absolutely. good on paper. Though. <laughs> so, uh, I, that's my weakness right now. Well, not my weakness, but I would say the one that you—that's your question. Maybe yeah, feel the least yeah, comfortable. Yeah, right, right, right. And to be honest, we we might not. I might not have an answer for, for that after the Old Dominion game. Yeah. It might not be till like, after a month into the season once Tech starts. So, so you need more evidence than one game either way, I think. My question mark is linebacker. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm necessarily worried. Um, Jaden Keller has been fantastic in the glimpses we've gotten to see throughout fall camp. Uh, he's really coming along well. Um, but... You know, you. I think now he's probably going to play, get most of the snaps at will linebacker. Dax Highfield's obviously the mic. Um, Kelly Lawson, Keonta Jenkins, kind of just depends on if Kelly Kelly Lawson's healthy or not. But but I think it's a comfortable group. I'm more curious just to see what it looks like. I, I'm curious. It, it's a bit of a tiny bit of a scheme change as opposed to what Tech fans are used to. Uh, you know, the same linebacker is a new position. That's kind of I'm kind of in the same boat as Chris. I'm not really worried about it, but it's kind of a question mark. What it, what are those three guys going to look like in that old Dominion game? Um, you know, are, are they are some guys going to struggle in coverage? Are they going to be better against the run? I, I think it's too it, it, we we won't be able to tell until we get into a game situation. Yeah, and it's, it's different positions too. Like obviously anybody who's going to be playing the Sam spot is going to be playing a different position than what they've been in the yeah. past. Whether yeah. it's Jenkins, Lawson, or or Walker, you know probably Jenkins for the majority of, of the ODU game. Uh, the Will position, the top two Wills right now. The Will is what we used to refer to as backer. Uh, so the position that Xavier DB played. And and the position that uh, Dax played his first couple of years before before uh, even uh, moving to Mike Tremaine Edmonds position you know that's 
that's your will position under Brent Pry. And right now, you know, Jaden Keller appears to be number one. Dean Ferguson is number two, right? Or he was at the most recent practice that, that the media saw. And Dean Ferguson has uh, flip-flopped with a – is it Jaden McDonald? Jordan's the defensive end, right? Yes. <laughs> they have similar names. One's 38, one's 39, and they're the same size, and they're twins. It's really hard From to tell Salem. apart. Yeah, uh, so anyway, I think it's Jaden McDonald. Anyway, Jaden McDonald and Ferguson flip spots, and I think that's good for both of them. I think Ferguson's better suited as a will, and I think McDonald, I, 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 you want to get more athletic at Mike long term, yeah. in my opinion, because you have to cover more space there than you do on the short side of the field at the will spot. Uh, the guy who's lost out here is Tisdale, who uh, is – now appears to be the third string wheel and actually in practice this past week <clears throat> was wearing a different number along with all the other players that were working with the scout team. Yeah, that's what that's what we interpreted so. from from practice yesterday seeing those guys. So th- that's where my question mark lies. What we we know what Dax Highfield provides. Yeah. Have has he gotten better? Has he Chris Marv at Media Day mentioned fundamentals and and cleaning up the basics were some of the things was some of the things that he was trying to coach Dax Hollyfield on how much better can he be in his what fifth season in in Blacksburg I'm very curious to see that improvement again it's it's really hard to judge Tex linebackers I think you can you can judge athleticism and everything and, and things like that but like how good of a football player Dax is or Tisdale is or, or artist or any of those guys isn't really fair because I just don't think they've been well developed the last couple of years. I don't th- I think they've, they've been poorly coached. Like those guys graded out well as freshmen and, and Dax graded out for a true freshman graded out very well. And, and Tisdale for a redshirt freshman graded out very well. And you, so you project improvement. You expect freshmen to get better steadily throughout their course. Nope. Opposite for those two guys. They've, they, they've, they've regressed, and that's same as the safety. So poor coaching, in my opinion. So do they – obviously, I guess we know the answer with Tisdale at this point if he's third string, but does Dax go in the other yeah. direction this year as a senior? I don't know whether he will or, or, or won't, but, you know, it is something to watch. And that's the reason why those would be your two question marks there. And I believe we're talking about kind of the depth chart, I believe – First two deep should come out Monday. Usually, it's the Monday of the first game. Uh, I don't know. I would. We'll see. With we'll, this, with, with this, th- they've had a lot of turnover in their communications department recently. We'll put yes. it that way. With so, new new personnel. Yeah, tra- Travis yeah. Wells is the new. Uh, they had a little trouble with their uh, release of their media guide, to yeah. the extent that yeah. it still hasn't been released after being briefly. Yeah. unofficially released <laughs> so uh, yeah. so uh, I, I i need to start on my game preview right and i want to get started fast because i'm leaving on wednesday yeah and yeah. and so but i'm afraid like virginia tech and odu are somehow going to screw up and the game notes aren't going to be available on monday morning <laughs> so i'm not going to have a depth chart to write my game preview with so i'm gonna have to do it all on like so i'm gonna have all my work packed into like tuesday <laughs> An early Wednesday or something like that. And when I'm trying to leave on Wednesday, that's what I'm worried about. Well, so if Virginia Tech, if you're listening, I would, and Old Dominion, I would appreciate <laughs> those game notes ASAP. Hopefully we can get those, I mean, at the very earliest by the beginning of next week. And then ODU preview podcast Wednesday, I believe, is the plan. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, well, let's finish up looking at position groups with the offensive side. I believe I know the answer for both of you 
would be wide receiver, I think, or at least one of the top two question marks right, on the one, offensive you take side. One, I'll take the other. I, questions? Uh, I feel better about wide receiver than I did before spring practice started. We talk about player development, and from what little bit I've seen, I've seen player development at the wide receiver. So that makes me still early, but makes me feel good about Fontel Mines as a coach. Um, you worry about offensive line depth. I feel fine about the five about the starting group. I think. Uh, I worry about tailback behind Malachi Thomas, particularly in game one. Like, what if Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston are both out? And then you have to use Kashawn King as more of a traditional tailback. And he's probably not as good in the inside zone as those other two guys, but it takes him away from the position, the multi-use role that he is good at. So if those two guys are out, it's actually going to hurt Virginia Tech at two positions on offense. So uh, I would say running back depth with either one of those top two running backs out. And uh, and I think I wrote an article like a month ago, a Q&A, I think, and somebody asked what position could Virginia Tech least afford, afford to, to lose, lose this year. And I said, I said, obviously offensive tackle because we don't have any backups at all. <laughs> and, uh, that you know, that was before Chaplin had enrolled and we didn't know if he was any good or not. But I said, besides that, the guy I least want to lose is Malachi Thomas. Because I think he's far and away Virginia Tech's best traditional running back. And sure enough, here we are. They've lost Malachi Thomas. I will I will summarize up my worry question mark in this one sentence. If Virginia, Virginia Tech, the healthiness of Virginia Tech's offensive line will make or break Virginia Tech's season. That, in, in my opinion, that's the way it's going to go. Because if, again, like Chris just said, if Silas Janzi or Parker Clements goes down and for some reason can't go, Xavier Chaplin's your option. He's a true freshman, and he's talented, but I just think there's not enough depth there. And, and the staff understands that, and Joe Rudolph's trying to build that, but it takes time. It's not snap of the fingers and flip a switch. It's it's there. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious about wide receiver, but I think that's more of just – it's Caleb Smith, Jaden Blue, and then who else? We, we haven't really seen who can step up, but this is a new coaching staff, and Fontel Mines has praised a lot of different guys, Christian Moss, Jalen Jones, Dewan Lofton, obviously, Tucker Holloway, Stephen Gosnell. Who's going to step up? I think I think that's the biggest thing. There are a lot of things we know because a lot of the starters are familiar, and then there's this whole like second tier of guys who – I'm only labeling him a second tier because there's a bunch of question marks we've never seen him play <laughs> in Virginia, you know, in a Virginia Tech uniform. Yeah, like uh, remember, you'd see guys like, well, we never saw Xavier DB play before he actually played, right? Or Vince Hall, or Brandon Flowers, yeah. or Caleb Farley, or any other awesome player at, at Virginia Tech through the years. So uh, you you do hear hype around certain guys though, like Keller. So uh, I mean, even Brent Pry, you know, you ask him. You know, who are the linebackers who are standing out? And the first two guys he names are, are the young guys, the freshmen. Keller and Lawson. And Lawson, right. And, like, he doesn't even mention the veterans. Well, that, that brings me right into my next question. I want to know who is the guy on this team who maybe hasn't done anything in the past or maybe is flying under the radar that you think is going to play a big role for this Hokies team in 2022. I asked all the players that at ACC football kickoff, and I even asked some of them media day, and every single one of them is like Dwan Lofton. 
And but I think tech fan, most tech fans know who he is at yeah. this point. Yeah, but I think to Jake's question, he hasn't really had a role. I, a That's guy, true. Uh, we'll That's say true. a breakout player, somebody who it is could, going to take a big leap this yeah. year. All right, that'd be Lofton then. Like he's like I I think Virginia Tech. Obviously, whether you have two receivers in the game or three depends on your formation. I, I but I consider Virginia Tech as having three starting wide receivers right now. And he's one of them. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was sex leader in receptions at the end of the year. Since we've already mentioned Jaden Keller, um, I, I'm, I'll pick one defensively. Um, and I think I'm going to go Cole Nelson. I, I think either him or CJ McCray, one of those two guys is, I mean, they're both going to play a lot, but, I, but I think Chris, I mean, Chris mentioned the defensive end depth he feels really confident about it. And I don't think there's a re like he, he's right. Taiwan Garbett and then Cole Nelson and CJ McCray behind. Um, that's a pretty good trio. Eli Adams is in that room too. And he's a, a veteran. And Jalen Griffin's a 60 year senior. I completely forgot yeah. Jalen Griffin. Thank you. Uh, like there, there's a lot of depth in that room, but Cole Nelson, and CJ McCray are two young guys that, that have been, that have been praised a whole lot. And I think that battle on the, on the side opposite of garbage going to come down to them. I think if I had to pick one, and I don't know if this would count because he was good last year, but Dorian Strong, I think, is going to take the next step after the next, this. Right, right. I think it's third year in the program. Yeah. That's generally when it happens. Yeah. That, that's the guy I was thinking really of. Good. I, I think you, you'll you see him start to get up to that, you know, that guy where you say, okay, he's on one side of the field. We feel good about <laughs> that side of the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. All right, I'll ask you, you guys a fun question here, and this can be for any reason. It doesn't have to be football-related. What game are you most looking forward to this West year? West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No question, West Virginia. I mean, Thursday I, night in Lane Stadium. I, I got I to gotta find my sh- my Breathe If You Hate West Virginia shirt. And, and, and where, <laughs> oh, God, I hope I didn't lose it or throw it away when I redid my house this summer. But if I've still got it, that's the shirt that's getting worn. I love that it. Day. I don't know. Um the game I'm most looking forward to, um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to NC State. That's the one I was thinking of. And and one man, because y- one, y'all don't go back far enough. This <laughs> West Virginia rivalry, man. Well, <laughs> I will say this: I'm I'm excited for West Virginia. West Virginia is probably probably number two on my list. But I I I enjoy going to see new stadiums. Sure. I've never been to Carter Finley. I'm excited to go there. It's a Thursday night game. And yeah, gonna, I, haven't, I haven't either. That's a good point. Yeah, and so, they're going to be really good. Yeah, NC State's, NC State's going to be the best team. NC State could go on and win the ACC, and NC State, I think, is the only other team outside of Clemson that could make a potential college football playoff push. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see, in my opinion, the best team in the conference play in person on a Thursday night, national television, and to get to go to Carter-Finley, that atmosphere should be, should be pretty cool. But the West Virginia game is going to be pretty fun. That's going to no. be a lot. All right, I'll tell you why West Virginia is my pick. Besides the <laughs> rivalry, besides the rivalry and the fact that I want to beat West Virginia more than anybody else, but I, my bold claim this year is Virginia Tech is going to start 4-0. Hmm. And all right, so at that point, that's the fourth game of the season. Yeah. Tech's going to beat West Virginia, be 4-0, ranked in the top 25, <laughs> and you just won a Thursday night game. So that's going to be the peak feeling of the entire season Yeah, is, is after that game. Uh, and I'm not saying that things are going to collapse after that. I'm well, saying that all the film's going to be yeah. out and the schedule's going to get well, a lot Well, I was going to say, you're, you got a five-week stretch at North Carolina, at Pitt, at NC State, and Miami at home, yeah. and a bye. It's going to get a lot tougher. But, you know, the other thing that I think benefits Tech early in the season is uh, 
they're obviously more talented than Old Dominion, and they're more talented than Wofford. Uh, but they've got so many new faces and so many new coaches. It's like the year Tech went on the road and beat Ohio State. Hard to uh, scheme for. Hard well, you don't know what they're going to do. Exactly. T- t- Tech went out the came out there with a completely new defensive scheme that night, and Ohio State had a freshman quarterback that had never had to make an in-game adjustment JT before. Barrett, who yes. went on to win national Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, uh, oh, Cardell Jones Tech, Tech had a new quarterback that nobody had ever seen play in this scheme before, and Michael Brewer. Both their starting wide receivers were freshmen, and Bucky Hodges was a freshman. <laughs> they had all these guys out there in a new scheme, new players, new coach, or relatively new coaches on offense. Nobody had ever seen all those guys together. They didn't know what it was going to look like. So Tech schematically was able to take Ohio State by surprise. And, you know, you you could see it for Virginia Tech in the Justin Fuente era, like in his first year, how Tech came out there and just dominated. Because they didn't know what Gerard Evans mixed with the new coaching staff was all going to look like together. Um, Tech is going to have that advantage this year, particularly offensively, I think, because you've got a new quarterback, you've got a transfer receiver, you've got three coaches on offense, or is it four? I guess three. Three coaches on offense that have been coordinators, that have been coordinators yeah, before. Britton, so Glenn, Rudolph, and, right. and, uh, and Bowen. Bowen, right. Yes. So there, there's going to be pieces of everything in there. And so it's not going to be clear what it's going to look like. So it's going to take a while, I think, for, for the film to get out there. And, and catch up. And I don't think Virginia Tech's, they're not going to have to show anything to beat Wofford. I think they're totally vanilla. It'd be nice if they could do the same thing against the Old Dominion, but we'll see. Uh, so I think that, that gets them through the first two games of the season is the newness. I think they'll beat Old Dominion. They'll beat Boston College. They beat Wofford based on talent. They'll beat West Virginia based on the fact, I think it's generally speaking, would be a 50-50 game. But I, I do think... West Virginia traveling on a short week and Thursday night at home. Right. That that well, that's what that's that's the benefit of being a Thursday night is it's not necessarily yes, Lane's a great atmosphere and it'll it'll be tough and blah blah blah, but the main thing is it's one day less practice for West Virginia because it's a short week and they have to travel yes. and that generally those short weeks always favor the home team. Yeah. yeah. So what, there you go. My bulk. What is the game you're most looking forward to? See, I, those were the two I was thinking of too. Oh, a- NC State and West Virginia. I think Boston College is going to be a good one too. I mean, first first game at home, first home game under Brent Pry, and you get a night ACC game. I think that's going to be fun. K- Katie, do you have another one that you're thinking? I would of? say UNC and NC State. NC State. I'm flying out of the Raleigh Airport to go to Orlando the next day, so I'm just <laughs> selfishly excited about that one. But I'm excited for UNC. I think that'll be a really good matchup. There are a lot of good ones. Mate. I'm excited for the Hokie fans down in that part, uh, in South South Virginia, in in that part of North Carolina, because you got three really close games yeah. that you can go to. Duke, UNC, know, NC State. And Duke State. game will be as interesting. But. but it's close. Yes. Like So, like, my dad lives in Danville. Yeah. So, he can eat whenever Tech plays. To what, like an hour It's an hour from, from all those campuses yeah. as opposed to – Two, it takes them to get to Tech. No, there are a lot of good ones. I'm, I'm also looking forward to Miami at home. That's, that's going to be fun too. Yeah, I know. We didn't. Uh, we didn't I'm not, oh, I, I didn't even mention <coughs> Pitt. I, I, I'm, I've never been to Pitt formerly Heinz Field. Heinz Field. Why uh, would anybody look that's, forward? That's, to that's what I'm saying. I'm least excited <laughs> for that game. Actually, what I is am, it? Acrosure Stadium. I'm going to call it Heinz Field. If that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've, ne- I've never been to Heinz Field, and the one time I've been to Pittsburgh, unfortunately, was. When Tech played in the NCAA tournament in in mm. uh, Lost Alabama, that's right. That's the only time I've ever been to Pittsburgh. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, and if it is a 
if the game is in the afternoon, then I'm going to an Alan Jackson concert that night too. Sweet. There you go. I, I really don't see a I don't see a Virginia Tech pit game being Saturday night. I don't see it being Thursday Think night you sometimes. Better knock on wood, fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't know Alan Jackson was still. Yeah, still I didn't know it. either, yeah. but he's playing in Pittsburgh and this is kind of his last tour. So really? that's really cool. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, before we start to wrap up, Katie, one more time, do you have anything for us in the fourth chair? Yeah, I got a little Hokies versus Hokies preseason action tomorrow night. If NFL preseason is eh, but there mm-hmm. is a Bills versus Carolina Panthers game tomorrow night. So you got Amari Bardo and Raheem Blackshear, who have both been really good in the preseason so far, and I've been impressed with both of them. Did Raheem Blackshear get banged up, though? Did I see that right? Yeah, he, he towards the end of a game, but then he came back in. Oh, okay. And He's then the next week he went off. Okay. He scored, oh, yeah. I think, that, that four week. touchdowns in two weeks or something like he, that. Uh, first game, he scored uh, two rushing touchdowns and had four catches for 50-some yards. <laughs> this past week, I believe it was five carries for over 50 yards. Uh, for, uh, probably another 40 or so yards on the ground. Returning kicks, returning punts. You know, actually touching the football. Yeah. You know, as opposed to a couple of instances when Virginia Tech decided not to give the ball to their best player. But I don't know how many times I can go on that rant. And Barno's been so good. I feel like we talked a lot about last year, how good he played in the UNC game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a trend with a lot of the defensive players. They played so good in that UNC game. <laughs> and they kind of digressed throughout the rest of the season, which we saw that a little bit with him. But he's been good. So, What uh, what position do they have him playing? I think he's in uh, edge rusher in a 3-4. In a okay. So I think okay. he's a stand-up outside linebacker. <laughs> it's interesting how you see some NFL teams use linebackers. Like I never would have thought Tremaine Edmonds would be a middle linebacker. But yeah. these days, He's like, damn good. But these days, you're looking for so much athleticism at that middle linebacker spot in, in coverage. To be able to cover the big yeah. tight, the fast tight ends. Right, right. And and if you put, think about it. If if you put your fastest player on one of the hashes. Then it's great when he's on that side of the field, but if he's got to cover all the way to the other side and run guys down, but if you put him in the middle, he can, he can get to both sides. He can use his speed to, to go to both sides. So it's interesting to see how, not that I would ever view Barno as a, as a middle linebacker type, um, but it's interesting. And I think that's more of the middle linebacker Virginia Tech is going to have in the future. Put Jaden Kelly there and see what happens. You could. But we'll see how McDonald develops. But uh, but I think, do think Keller's one of those guys who could potentially yeah. play either one of those roles. Um, maybe like in a modern system, like like right now, Brent Price scheme, maybe Vince Hall is the wheel and Xavier Adibi is the, the, the mic. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting to think about, though. Well, uh, talking Hokies and the pros, I've mentioned multiple times my Titans fandom on here, and Caleb Farley is looking good. I'm uh, good. recovering from a torn ACL once again, uh, but it looks like he's going to play a big role this year. Logan, so. Th- Logan Thomas is back. Logan Thomas. Uh, Christian Derrissaw, I've heard, is probably going to win the left tackle job for the Vikings. So mm-hmm. uh, Josh Nijman might win a, the left tack- left left tackle, left guard. He might start for the Packers, maybe. Wow. It's possible. Um, so a lot of lot of Hokies in the pros making some waves. Uh, Kyle Fuller and Chuck Clark for me and David's Ravens. Oh, that's yes. right. I forgot. Fuller's I forgot name. Kyle Fuller went to the Ravens, and yeah, he's going to be he starting too. Yeah. I think. And then there's and all good for him because he's from Maryland. He's from, yeah. from yeah. Baltimore, same, right? Yeah. Same with Chuck Clark, I believe. Uh, he's, no, he's, he's from he's from Virginia he's, Beach. Yeah, or Portsmouth. Yes. I believe. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And of course, there's all the other 
Hokies on the Commanders now. Uh, Kyle Fuller, Logan Thomas, we mentioned, or Kendall Fuller, I Kendall should Fuller, say. Yes. Um, Bills have Joey Tim Sly Settle, too, right? Yeah, Joey Sly. We could go on forever. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, Wyatt Teller. Have to mention with, him oh, with the Browns. All, him all and, pro and, Bro- guard. and Brock. Ho- I've seen some positive yeah. things that Brock, Brock Hoffman Hoff- through two games <laughs> is 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 the NFL's high grader in pass blocking. Wow, <laughs> according to PFF. Yeah, uh, so, so, so so that that's two rookie free agents off the Virginia Tech's offense that have just gone to the NFL and in the preseason and are dominating. Blown up, blown up. Mm. We'll, keep, we'll keep an eye on all the Hokies and the pros throughout the NFL season. Uh, I have one last question for you guys about the 2022 season. You kind of already said this, and it was kind of the exact question I was going to ask you, but the, kind of a fill in the blank here. If blank happens, it'll be a Virginia a successful season for Virginia Tech in 2022. Yeah, I'll, if I get to the end of the season and say uh, I feel like we're doing a good job developing players, and I feel like we're getting the most out of our talent, and we know how to correctly use guys like Kashawn King, I'll feel good about it. But the thing is, if those things happen, we're going to win more games. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll probably say, I'll, I'll honest, honestly, I'll be disappointed if Tech goes six and six. I think they they can they can go seven and five or eight and four. Now, if you get the wrong injury, yeah, take away what I just said. Yeah. That's why I, I, I mean, I said it earlier. You said exactly. I think the offensive the line depth is going to make or break the year. And that's the thing, man. Like, I don't know if we're doing season predictions or anything, but like, uh, I don't know if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to, I'm ask not going to ask you guys for your record predictions okay, well, specifically. I, I think they're this a ceiling is like eight and four. The floor is five and five and seven. Kind of just all depends on what happens. I've got, I've got, if, if I had to put my own money on weather tech, Six and a half wins. I, I'd bet the over. I'd probably bet seven. But I'm going to be cautious and say I think Tech's going to go six and six just because I, it's football. Something's going to happen. Something, you know, there are good things that aren't going to go Tech's way. And I think it'll, you know, that five game, that five game stretch in middle of October is going to be brutal. Yeah. Here's my argument against six and six. That Miami game last year. And here I go on my rant again. All right. So <laughs> this was a five point game at the end of the third quarter. And in that game, Virginia Tech made the conscious decision to only give the ball to Raheem Blackshear twice and Malachi Thomas seven times. So your top two running backs touch the ball nine times. They benched Braxton Burmeister, who was 14 of 17 passing and had 10 carries for 52 yards. They benched him for a quarterback who couldn't complete passes and wasn't even truly a quarterback. So basically, they willingly in the third quarter, at the start of the second half, just decided we're going to play the rest of this game without our three best offensive players. And they were still only losing the game by five at the end of the third quarter. Like, they can get better just by not making decisions like that. Can can I ask this? And everybody can kind of answer this. When Justin Fuente came in in 2016, kind of sparked everything. Okay, Mm. new, you know, yes, we know he's supposed to be quarterback whisperer, blah, 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 whatever. Um you know, but but there he brought in a, a transfer quarterback, who people kind of knew what to expect, but also didn't. And he, he just brought this new energy to the program. And Tech's offense took like Tech was really really good in that first year. After a couple years of you know seemed like talented players, and no, they didn't have the same like player development problems, obviously, because it was under Beamer. But but Fuente seemed to be able to get more out of that 2016 and 2017 teams than, than Beamer could with that 
2015 team. Do you think that's going to be a similar thing or could be a similar thing with Brent Pry and this team? I, th- I think every time there's a coaching change, uh, unless the coach is just a walking disaster, I, I think everybody sees a chance for a fresh opportunity and – and I think everybody's ears are open. And I think after a while, for whatever reason, you know, they 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 tune Fuente out, and probably more so as assistants than him. Uh, but but I, I and I think that's where Tech lost their player development and, th- and advantage and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think right now there is a uh, the fresh start, so to speak, is 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 there for for all the players, and everybody sees this as an opportunity to to impress and get better. So I do think that helps. Um, I think Tech goes into this season with an attitude advantage over last season, a mentality advantage over last season, and quite frankly, a quarterback advantage over last season. And I assume that this year that, assuming they're healthy, they're going to play the better running backs instead of screwing around for half the season not doing so. So um, the fact that they did all, all those things happened last year and they still went 6-6, six and six. and I think we'll improve on all of those things this year. And I th- and I just think that the the benefits of having so many new faces and not not knowing what to expect schematically will benefit the Hokies early. So that's like I think they'll start four and zero, and I think they'll finish eight and four. And we've mentioned the five game stretch of West Virginia at UNC at Pitt Miami at NC State. That's going to be the teeth of this season uh, to see whether they can get those eight wins or whether it falls back to that they, six or seven. They won't range. win all those games, but they won't lose them all either. <laughs> if they win all those games, then something went right uh, with then Brent we Pry. are winning the Coastal <laughs> for the last year. Yeah, I think, I think that's It accurate. is our turn in the rotation. Yep. All right, well, let's. Uh, do, do we have any good questions in the YouTube chat today, Katie? Yeah, two that I wanted to get to. First from Tristan. He said, Chris has talked a lot about wanting to see player development. What's the best slash most interesting way to assess that? And is there a position group that you view as a bellwether for the whole team? Yeah, I think uh, I've always been like, even when tech was down, so to speak, the last few years, I think their cornerback development has always been good. I, I know we take that for granted around here, but it does seem like, you know, tech always has a quality cornerbacks coach. I, I think you have to start it off like when you look at young players assuming they redshirt after their redshirt year, like, like what does Cam Johnson look like at this time next year? Assuming he redshirts. Well, if he's still 160 pounds, that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah. Um, so some of it is physical. Um, and, and Tristan, by the way, everybody should subscribe to TSL and read. I, see, I was going to say, I assume it's the same Tristan, yeah. Tristan yeah. that just wrote a story. Yeah. He wrote a great order. Tristan has a PhD and he wrote an article for us about the science of, of, strength and conditioning, basically, and compared and contrasted the Dwight Galt system with the Ben Hilkert system. And it's really interesting stuff. And it's If you're into Virginia Tech football and strength and conditioning, it's a must-read. It's one of the best articles we've ever... Like, we've run some specialty articles over the years, and this ranks right up there with them. Um, I, for others, like, you, you, you just want to see... Like, first of all, it is physical. Like, uh, you want to see guys take a step forward physically, and we didn't see that with – we saw it at some positions the last few years. But others, you're like, oh, look, he played pretty well as a freshman last year, but he came back this year, and he's still the exact same size. And, well, look, his PFF grade is the exact same as it was last year. So so, some of it is just you want to see better technique and fundamentals. You you want to see – in certain positions, guys get get bigger. Uh, like some guys, like I'm not not really worried about 
Xavier Chaplin's getting bigger. He's, he's as big as he needs to get. Um, I think one of the reasons I pay attention to when the roster is released every year is so everybody can establish a baseline for how big they are. Um, I, I like guys like the freshman defensive end in the program who were two, uh, Moiston and Burgess. They're both. But I think Moiston was with the one of the two was with the twos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the they're they're both they've both been good. I don't yeah. think they're going to play this year, but I don't think we got anything. Like I said, this recruiting class is pretty good, I think. And but they're two hundred thirty nine pounds, and they're six four and six five. So I don't. When I look at the roster next August. If they're still 239 pounds, I'm going to be like, hold on, I, I thought we fired Justin Fuente's staff. Why Why are these guys still the same size? But if they're 245 to 250, which they should be at their their weight, I mean, that, that's the first thing I look I look at is physical progression, uh, progression from the guys yeah. who have the frames to be adding weight and, and things like that. To your question, Katie, I would say, I would say Tech did a good job developing defensive linemen well, Tech's always like JC Price was always a solid defensive line coach. Tap did a good job. And Tier, and, Tierling and knew Tier, how to coach. And Tierling, yeah. yeah, they they always and obviously Charlie Wiles was a good yeah, coach before on that. The defensive line was always pretty pretty well coached and always developed. I think they get the well. most out of their talent on the defensive yeah. line. I would, say. I would say wide receiver is probably the one where it's like, and I think we've seen yeah. some good things so far. This. Uh, Brent Pry even said it like he's like I've been pleased with the player development since the spring at wide receiver. I'm curious to see if that continues. Tech, Tech has had some uh, you know good good receivers, but like their top two receivers last year were the same players when they left Virginia Tech as they were when they got here. And it's wild because both of them are like as I wrote in my wide receiver preview. I, I went back and talked about Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson, and both of them are like top 11 all-time in number of catches. Tavion could end up first if he'd stayed with the right player development. Yeah. I mean, I just remember how much Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips improved from start to finish. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, Tech had some good wide receivers. Like, like Aaron Moorhead, who I believe is the wide receiver coach for the Eagles, he was their wide receivers coach at Tech. And then their wide receivers coach was Holman Wiggins. Who's, who's with Alabama? Who's now like who has associate State. head coach right. at Alabama? So those guys, first round picks every year. Those guys develop because they had good coaching. Imagine that. Yeah. So like I think we'd be singing different stories right now about guys like Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson if they had coaches like that. I I think they all came in with similar baseline talent. Yeah. Let's do one more from the chat. Yeah, last one from Andrew Seibach, and a lot of people want to know the answer to this. What is the most likely upset win? Miami at home, Pitt away, or NC State away? Miami, because I, I, uh, I, you know, I just don't trust Miami's mentality. Like Miami does all. Now I, I use this story about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech's week to week mentality has been sketchy recently. But you know, go back, go back two years. Virginia Tech gets physically beat up on by Liberty up front. I mean. Their 150-pound receivers were stiffing-arming Virginia Tech's big safeties, and their offensive line was pushing Tech's defensive line around. They were physically dominated Tech up front. The next week, Virginia Tech physically dominated Miami. Like, they sacked Miami, like, what, eight or nine times in that, like that, in that yeah. game? I mean, they physically whipped Miami up front. So how can you go one week? So we always ask this question about Virginia Tech. How, how can you go one week from getting physically dominated by Liberty to, to physically dominating Miami? You can ask the other question 
about Miami too. Like Miami at that point in the season was like seven and one, eight and one, something like that. Yeah. They were ranked in the top ten. So you can ask Miami, how can you win all these games and then you go in here and get physically pushed around by a Virginia Tech team that just got physically pushed around by Liberty? So you just never know about Miami's mentality or which Miami team is going to show up. Yeah, I would say. And Miami. I know they have a new coach yeah. and they're throwing money at NIL left and right. But, you know, we've had this conversation before, like with Miami, because like Manny Diaz seemed like the right fit to me when they hired him. I guess he wasn't or they decided he wasn't. And <laughs> he so, had a pretty good record. La- he had a good record as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I just think they, they saw somebody they thought was an upgrade, so they just decided to fire him, even though he really didn't, I would say, deserve to be yeah. fired. Yeah. But and now, didn't he take Brent Prize? Yeah, I was going to say, Diaz is now the D.C. at Penn State. And linebackers State. coach at Penn State. Yep. yep. Here we go. That's right. Yeah, I would say, uh, to answer that question, Miami, uh, because I don't trust Miami, and <laughs> NC State and Pitt are better. There That's we go. my answer. Also, Simple. Miami is at home. Yeah, the and two also, the yes, road. Miami, yeah. All right, well, I, I think that's about all we got here uh, on episode 250 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It's been fun wrapping up fall camp and looking ahead at the season, which, again, is now just eight days away. Before we get out of here, I do want to ask Dave and Chris, with oh, just over a week till the first game, what's coming up on Tech Sideline? <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, uh, normal Friday Q&A tomorrow. Um, we start game week on Monday. So it's going to be traditional, for the most part, traditional game week uh, stuff. Brandon Patterson's got an article on Monday. Uh, we're getting Eric Carr to write an article for us next week, which will be good. Um, I've got one more preview. Position preview. Position preview to, to write. It was originally going to be done today. It's not going to be done today at this point. Um, <laughs> I'll have a story out today. Yeah. My running back preview. Okay. Yeah. So. My my last preview will be posted tomorrow, or the weekend, or something like Perfect. that. But we're we're getting into uh, preseason content. Yeah, Perfect. and uh, or, or the end of preseason content. Yeah, and Tech hasn't officially said anything, but I believe from what I understand, um, media stuff press conferences are going to be Tuesdays. Okay, so well, I'll, I'll be at press conference Tuesday or whenever it is because it's my job, and uh, um, and we'll have plenty of content from that. Obviously, a short week. So Yes, and then ODU Preview Podcast is coming up Wednesday of next week. So looking forward to that, getting into a real rotation of, uh, of games starting again Friday against ODU. The season gets underway. That's going to wrap things up here on episode 250 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I want to thank everybody on set. David Cunningham, across the way, managing editor of Tech Sideline, at the Real D. Cunna on Twitter. Chris Coleman to my right, the lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline, at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams, with our new format in the fourth chair, did a great job today, at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Will Stewart, behind the scenes, filling in as the best podcast producer in the land. He's at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. And I'm Jake Lyman, signing off. That does it for episode episode 250 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We hope you have a great weekend, Hokies fans. We'll see you next week for game week.